Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Brian Scott Rippey is in Fayetteville where the game has just gotten started. A winner-take-all winner goes to Omaha for the College World Series. Loser season is done. Ole Miss and Arkansas. Last night in Starkville, Mississippi State said, nah, two games is going to be enough for us. We don't need to go to a third game. And uh, Mississippi State punched its ticket to Omaha for the second consecutive year and the 11th time overall with a couple of wins on the weekend over Stanford. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Good Monday afternoon. Borky, what's up? It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty stinking cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Good, good way to sum it up. <laughs> it's just awesome. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Last night in Starkville, also pretty stinking cool. Yeah, something that uh, even in the press box where you're trying to, you know, hey, we're, we're professional and we're just going to watch the game. It, it's impossible not to get caught up in some of the moments that happened. Uh, even, even the guys who aren't from Mississippi, some of the guys who are you know new on the beat and come from other places, were just like, this is amazing. Well, and, and some of the national reaction um, to that scene last night in Starkville was just blown away. I mean, you know, $68 million on Duty Noble Stadium, first full season in the completed ballpark, and that's the reason that you build it, right? I mean, you, yeah. you don't build that stadium for it to sit empty in June, and Mississippi State certainly didn't have it sit empty this weekend. Just an incredible environment. Yeah, it, it really was from, from first pitch to final out. Uh, you know, crowd was engaged. Big crowds, obviously, uh, over thirteen thousand on Saturday, over eleven thousand last night. And you, I, you know, going back to what Borky talked about last week, you got to think with a, a two o'clock first pitch might have even been a bigger crowd than that. So just a huge weekend for MSU, and they get the job done. Most importantly, and they'll head back to Omaha. Yeah, played played well, uh, played really well. And there wasn't. I listened to um, the Thunder and Lightning podcast that you and, and Joel Coleman did hey. uh, late last night, early this morning. What, what you depends finished? On, it up depends on what you are. Or so? If you're, if you're, I was. I, I asked somebody about this. Evidently, if you haven't gone to bed yet, it's late. Yeah, uh, in bed and you're waking up, it's early. So, however you were, yes, late or early, it was about. We started recording about two thirty. If you woke up. Like that was your get out of bed time. You either were on the way to the airport, you work an incredibly weird time slot shift, or you have sleeping problems, or you have a small child, as Michael Borky will learn in just a few months. Yeah, that could be it, Borky. You might be looking for two thirty a.m. podcasts here before too terribly much longer. I kind of already am. Yeah. Well, what are you doing up at two thirty in the morning? I, I don't sleep very well, so everybody giving me this warning of, "Oh, you're never going to get any sleep." It's like, well, I kind of don't already. I'm at yeah. five hours a night. I'm good. 
There you go. Well, certainly you're going to be well adjusted. We've got a bunch coming up for you this afternoon. If you're listening today, I'll just tell you, you're either listening online or on the app, or you're listening on one of four stations, because normally we are on 13 stations across the entire state of Mississippi. Nine of our 13 affiliates carry Ole Miss baseball, so you got a bunch of folks there. So we'll spend a good bit of time on Mississippi State's weekend, obviously going to keep you up to date with what's going on in the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Uh, we've got Chris Lamonis coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Some uh, some news out of Cleveland to Mississippi today is Mike Kennison, the longtime head baseball coach at Delta State, is stepping down. He uh, had assumed athletics director responsibilities in addition to being the head coach. And uh, so he's going to just focus on that, stepping away from the baseball program, plus a bunch of other stuff to get to uh, with you this uh, this afternoon. Uh, Thomas Dillard had a 3-0 count to start the game, came back, it was fully grounded out. Uh, Ryan Olenek was hit by the pitch on the first pitch that he saw, and Greg Kessinger just got struck out looking. So Ole Miss has got a runner on first with two outs in the top of the first inning. Hey, Dad, let's go kind of big-picture thoughts for the uh, the last two days in Starkville, Saturday night and Sunday night, as we kind of get things started. Well, big picture was this was a team that had a lot of expectations coming in because of the players you had, but you had the unknown variable of Chris Lamonis. You didn't know anything about him uh, starting the season. So it was sort of interesting to see how this team was going to react to everything. And it, as you as you can now tell, Lamonis pushed all the right buttons this year. The team you know, lived up to its potential. And honestly, this is MSU. I mean, you think about last year, the run to the College World Series was sort of miraculous. Uh, in 2013, that was a, a good team, but they weren't a dominant team all year. They just got hot at the right time. Same with 07. You know, that was a team that had to win somebody else's regional. They were just a good team that, that got hot at the right time. This is MSU's best chance to win a national championship, in my opinion, since 1985. This is a team okay. that can go to Omaha and come home with, with the big trophy. So that's, if you ask me a big picture, it's that this is state's best chance in three decades to, to win the national championship. You know, I was thinking some earlier today uh, about the last couple of weeks for Mississippi State baseball. And the reality is this. It is hard to win, period. Like, like okay, Mississippi State's got 51 wins now against, what, 15, 51 and 15? Is that right? 51 and 13. Okay, 51 and 13 right now. So just at a surface level, it's hard to win, period. It's much harder to win at a clip like that, where you get 51 wins in a 56-game regular season plus the postseason. So those two things working, and then take it a step farther. Sometimes you need you need some breaks in a regional setting. Sometimes you need some breaks. You need to get the right draw in a super regional setting. Mississippi State made it look easy the last two weekends. They have breezed through a regional and a super regional with five straight wins and really no drama to speak of. Yeah, outside of you know JT Ginn having to leave his start against Southern early and, you know, having to work around that when it was tied, I think, at 6-6. Since that moment, basically, it's been pretty much smooth sailing for Mississippi State. I wouldn't say they've been on cruise control because they've played good teams. Central Michigan was a hot team when they played them. Miami was a good team. And then Stanford was a good team, uh, you know, that that had won all year. Uh, But for Mississippi State, yeah, you're right. Making it look easy, I'm sure when we talked to Coach Lamontis, he'd say it was quite not easy at all. But – from our vantage point, yeah, it never really looked like the Bulldogs sweat it much this postseason. 
Well, and there weren't there just haven't been many games where you were like, "Oh my goodness, are they going to be able to get it done?" Oh, yeah. You know, you you didn't you're not sitting there hanging on the edge of your seat for a one-run game in the 8th inning trying to figure out whether or not you're going to be able to pull out a win. You know, Cole Gordon uh what pitched two games this weekend, both of them were non-save situations for him. Um yeah. and they just they just they haven't provided a ton of drama. Not great for television, obviously, but great if you're a Mississippi State fan who didn't want a lot of heartburn and obviously great for, for Coach Lamonis and team. And that, like I said, you, know, you go back to the SEC tournament, there were some concerns. Oh, they played so poorly there. I mean, it, this really shows how little the SEC tournament meant for Mississippi State. They were able to completely disengage from that and lock right back in, and now they'll go to Omaha with a ton of momentum. And interestingly enough, you know, if you if you flip things over ninety miles, there really hasn't been much drama in the postseason for Ole Miss either. They they cruised through the Oxford Regional, they got absolutely blown out in the first game of the Super Regional against Arkansas, and then followed it up yesterday with a blowout win over Arkansas. So they they what had the big outlandish scores and really three games that weren't close in the Oxford Regional. They lose eleven to two, and then they turn around and they win thirteen to five. So it's been a little unique. I mean, if you look around at some of the super regionals in the country, the one I was at in Louisville, least drama of, of any <laughs> of the super regionals and by I a long bad shot. For you almost. I was like, man, Richard didn't get any excitement. Fourteen to one, twelve to nothing, and the only real excitement was uh whether or not uh, you were gonna have a no hitter. Ole Miss strikes first against Arkansas. Uh, a two-out RBI single from Cooper Johnson. So after two outs uh, with Ryan Olenek at first base, Cole Zabowski hit one through the right side, got a base hit uh, to put runners at the corners, and then an RBI single up the middle for Cooper Johnson to give Ole Miss a one nothing lead early in the ballgame. We're going to be doing We've this all day. Huh? Yeah, well, I mean, is there any way else to do it? No, I, I'm joking with you because I am a good two and a half minutes behind you. Yeah, oh. it's, it's still nothing, nothing on my, <laughs> yeah. my computer. Yet. Yeah, so, sorry about that. <laughs> I guess I could pull it up on the iPad instead of watching it on television, but I've got this big TV. You know, that's not the, fair uh, to you in either. The studio. I mean, it's not your well, you fault you that I'm do. behind. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll keep up with what's happening in Fayetteville. I, the only thing I was going to say about that was. You've seen a bunch of offense in the first inning of all three games. There it is from uh, from both of these teams. There's the single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're now up. we're all on the same page. We're all on the same page. And that was on. Uh, I think it was on an 0-2 pitch to uh, one Cooper two. Johnson. One two went down and uh, one two. So went down and got one and drove it uh, back up the middle. Uh, yeah, no drama in Louisville this weekend. But you have had some spots. I mean, even though Florida State beat LSU in two games, both of those games were drama filled. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State may have played the most entertaining super regional of all of them. Texas Tech headed back to the College World Series once again. Michigan knocks out UCLA. We will look at all of the results from postseason play so far, plus really start to dive into Mississippi State's two-game sweep over Stanford in the Starkville Super Regional. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio on a Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along. So Ole Miss gets a run in the top of the first. They lead one to nothing over Arkansas. There's one other super regional game going on right now: Auburn and North Carolina. Auburn jumped out to a 13 nothing lead over North Carolina. Not over the first three or four innings. In the top of the first, Auburn scored 13 runs in the top of the first inning. Get a load of this: 13 runs on nine hits with one error. 
and one man left on base, and the inning only ended because Auburn had a runner go wide of the bag at second, or not wide of the bag, made a big aggressive turn, and the throw to the infield, they made a, a back pick throw to second base after a run had scored and ended the inning that way. So it was an incredible start to the game for Auburn, and they've kind of had it on cruise control ever since. Not a lot of offense in the game for Auburn since then. They've added one run. North Carolina got three runs in the fourth inning, two in the seventh. They've added a run in the bottom of the eighth. So Auburn's got an eight-run lead with two outs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Hey, Dad, you were watching that earlier, weren't you? Yes, and what a train wreck. I've never seen anything like that. Auburn just could not get out. They even uh, the, the error that uh, – I forget where it was, but it grounded a second. Just the most routine play ever. Yeah. And then Took right when it's going into the guy's glove, it hops up. Yeah, <laughs> it's just nothing they could do. I think they scored what nine runs with two outs. That's L- listen to how the inning unfolded. Here you go. Walk, 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 walk. Oh, <laughs> so that's suboptimal. Four straight walks to start the game. Hey, hey, hey credit Rippy for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a strikeout, and then you get a two-run single, a three-run single, a flyout. Okay, so you've gone eight guys deep into the order, and you got two outs. And then you go RBI single, three-run home run, single, single, error on the second baseman, RBI single, RBI single, walk, two-run single, and then on that play, you get the out at second base to end the inning. (laughs) 13 runs in the top of the first. I mean, you don't really want to start counting outs in a super regional go-to-Omaha game in the first inning. But by golly, if you're Auburn, that's what you're doing. All right, we only got to get 26 more. Hey, we've only got to get 23 more outs. Well, now they're down to just having to get four outs to get to Omaha. I'll make it three. If you can get a, if you can get a two outs for every run, you're going to win. <laughs> Jeez, something like that. I think the math on that's right. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know. Oh, Where's you're the... talking about at this point? Yeah, I'm talking about. No, I was talking about it. Thirteen to nothing. I mean, if you get two outs for every run. It's gonna be. I don't know if that's. I don't know if the math's right or not, but it's close. Yeah, this isn't a math show. It's okay. Let's get away from that quickly. Yeah. Um, two quick outs for Arkansas on the bottom of the first inning. Uh, looks like it's going to be three up, three down, unless that ball leaves the ballpark. Nope. Fly ball to center field. Arkansas goes one, two, three in the bottom of the first inning in the books. Ole Miss up one to nothing. The velo Misses. for Hoagland there was was really good. Mid nineties throughout the entire inning, so he might be a little juiced. That's two outings in a row where he's been 93, 94, 95 with the fastball early in the game. It's almost like he was a first-round pick or something. It just it, it only took 15 weeks of the season to uh, to get to that point. All right, hey Dad, let's uh, let's walk through um, the two games in Starkville. We'll, we'll start with game number one on Saturday night, and I guess interestingly enough, in both games, Mississippi State fell behind in the first inning. Um, got a uh, a sacrifice fly to put Stanford ahead one to nothing on Saturday night, and a uh, a first inning home run to put them ahead one to nothing last night. But after those first inning single runs on both days, that was it. There was no more offense for Stanford. So let's start with the pitching. Ethan Small starts game one. He goes six innings, which is really all he needed to go. Five hits, one run that was unearned, eight strikeouts and two walks, and did that on 117 pitches. Maybe a little more than you would have. Maybe you would have liked to have seen him go an inning deeper, but pretty much vintage Ethan Small. 
Yeah, 117 pitches. I don't think he could have gone much further. And don't undersell mm-hmm. that that sack fly in the first inning there. That should have been a grand slam. That ball was that's oh that's right by Jake Mangum and off the bat everybody thought that's gone and Mangum pulls it back into the park and and I mean it would have been four nothing and the complexion of everything completely changes. We might look back in a few weeks and think that might be have been the biggest play for Mississippi State all season because four nothing is a, a heck of a lot different than one nothing. Um, but it Small got the way out. The of games it. played. Yeah, I mean. It, at that point, you know, Small's laboring at that point. I mean, how, how long could he really go? Because I, and I asked him about it and I asked Lamonis about it in post game. That start for me, he felt like he had to grind it out more than any other start. He's had a ton of starts where he's been on cruise control and he's had some other starts where he's been, it's been really good. But this was one where it felt like he had to work for every out he got and every strike he threw, basically. So, you know, obviously State would have liked to see him go. Uh, a little deeper, but at 117 pitches, that's as far as he went. Uh, but then they go into the bullpen. They get an inning from uh, Lee Belt, an inning from Colby White, and an inning from Cole Gordon to, to shut it down. And Stanford really never threatened after the first inning. And, and strikeouts in all three of those innings. Colby White in the seventh strikes out two. He did walk a couple of batters. Jared we- Lee Belt comes into the game. He gives up three hits and allows a run um, and did strike out two. And then Cole Gordon. Uh, does give up a hit in the ninth inning, but he gets two strikeouts as well. And and the breaking ball for Cole Gordon, whew, it's it's pretty dialed in. I'm excited to to talk to Cole when we get to Omaha because, and I don't know if how many people remember this. Oh, are but, you going? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, will it be Haydad and Rippy? That's the question. We're a few hours away from finding out. Um, but he was he was ready to walk away last year. He went through senior day ceremonies. He was not going to come back to this team. And what a blow to what Mississippi changed? State. Why, why did he change That's his mind? what I want to ask him. That's what I want to know the answer to because I don't. Uh, you know, he's talked about he just, well, you know, I, I thought about it. and I want. But, I mean, we talk about Coach Lamonis, the recruiter, and he's doing a great job getting commitments for the future. But that recruiting job might have been his best one because this the face of this team is completely different without Cole Gordon, you know, in the back end of that bullpen. And then the leadership that he provides to the, to the rest of those guys. So, yeah, I mean, he is – Postseason Cole Gordon the last two years has been maybe the best closer in college baseball. He's just he's just almost untouchable. He gives up a hit here or there, but he's striking out at everybody. You mentioned the breaking ball. It's it's just electric for him. So he's playing really, really well. And that bullpen, which was a question mark for a lot of the year, seems to have rounded into form at this point. Um, was Dustin Skelton the most important player in the Super Regional for Mississippi State? If we had had an MVP, he would have gotten mine. Uh, hit the ball well, obviously had the three-run triple, another ball that could have been a grand slam missed by about four or five inches going over the, the fence. Uh, and then defensively, the back-to-back plays there where he fields the bunt, fires almost blind, just just throws the ball, I think uh, Ben McDonald called it, just off of muscle memory, and fires a perfect strike to, uh, to Tanner Allen to get it out. And then they try to steal third on him, and he just he, the guy was just meat. He had no chance to be safe. And Skelton... His improvement this year is a big reason why State. He and Justin Foskey were guys that, you know, you didn't know what you were getting from them at the plate, from freshman or from last year to this year. They've both taken huge step forwards, both double-digit home run guy. And Skelton defensively has been so good this year. Uh, just, just really, really interesting to watch his, his improvement. And I think a lot of that credit, and I'm sure Coach Lamontis would say the same. State having a dedicated coaching uh, catcher's coach in Kyle Cheeseboro, who is their, you know, I guess the volunteer assistant. Uh, I think that's paid big dividends for Mississippi State. Three best catchers in the SEC, and it's really not close. 
and probably who you would say the best is would depend on who you're a fan of. Dustin Skelton at Mississippi State, Casey Opitz at Arkansas, and Cooper Johnson at Ole Miss. All three of those guys uh, have thrown out basically 45% of the runners that have tried to go on them uh, through the year. All three of them have had pretty good offensive seasons. Skelton and Cooper Johnson maybe a little bit better than Casey Opitz. But it's a weapon. And you know, it's just a lot of times you just look at it and you go, ah, it's just another position on the field. But it's not just another position on the field. It's the position that is involved in every single pitch of every single game. What's funny about what you just said, to me anyway, is you didn't mention the first-team All-SEC catcher. Who's that? Is it Vanderbilt? What's his name? Paul? Philip Clark. Oh, Ethan Paul? No, Philip Clark. Oh, Philip, Philip Clark. Oh, he's re- yeah. yeah, well. He maybe, was first-team All-SEC. Maybe I should Cooper have. Johnson. Yeah, and Cooper Johnson was second team. And I thought Skelton, I mean, I don't want to get too far down to a state Ole Miss argument there, but from an offensive standpoint, Skelton had the lead in every category over Cooper Johnson. And defensively, like you mentioned, they're both very good. But not to take it away from Cooper Johnson, he's very, very good. Um, but, yeah, to, those two guys have really been good, for, and they've really helped their teams behind the plate. You know, with, with State, you know, small – He's so much better than he was a season ago. JT Ginn, Plumley coming back off a of suspension. The state's pitching staff, the starting rotation, is it's sort of an interesting story how it all came together because outside of Small, none of those guys were starters last year. And Small, you know, I don't think anybody thought he was going to make this kind of jump. Everybody thought he would be good, but he's the best pitcher in the country the way he's playing right now. So, yeah. And I would have to imagine Dustin Skelton's been a big part of that. So that's a peek at game one for Mississippi State. They beat Stanford 6-2 to two on Saturday night. We'll peek at last night's game. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the ins and outs and some of the drama that went along with it. Ole Miss has got a runner on first with two out in the top of the second inning. Knox Lepasser, who is batting in the nine hole today, uh, was hit by a pitch, and so that's got Thomas Dillard at the plate with a, uh, a full count. We'll tell you what happened when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. For the second consecutive day, Arkansas goes to the bullpen early. Yesterday, Connor Nolan got the start. He did not get out of the first inning. Today, Patrick Wicklander, another freshman, gets the start. He does not get out of the second inning. And he hadn't given up a run in the second inning. Just a couple of guys on base. He had hit two batters and had a wild pitch that allowed runners to move up. And Arkansas has gone to a veteran arm in Cody Scroggins. He's battling with Ryan Olenek at the plate. Ole Miss has got second and third with two out, leading one to nothing over Arkansas in the top of the second. Brian Scott Rippey is in Fayetteville, obviously covering the game today. So it's uh, Michael Borky in our Jackson studio, Brian Haydad in Starkville, the studio there. And I'm Richard Cross with you from uh, from Oxford. We're glad to have you along this afternoon. Olenek strikes out, Ole Miss strands a couple of runners in the top of the second inning, and so it's one to nothing going to the bottom of the second. Um Last night, in a lot of ways, it, hey, Dad, it was a ball game to determine whether or not you were going to Omaha. And it was not a must win for Mississippi State because they were up one nothing in the series. But Stanford strikes first with a run in the bottom of the first inning. And then Mississippi State gets it going in the top of the third. Mississippi State, the, uh, the visiting team last night, you get the... Bases loaded walk for Foscu. And then Dustin Skelton hits one to right center. 
It's a bases-clearing triple. He missed a home run by six inches, maybe a foot, something along those lines. And from that point on, it felt to me less like a baseball game and more like a coronation, more like a celebration. Does that, does that make any sense? No, you're, you're pretty much right on the money. And, and a lot of that is due to Peyton Plumley and the way that he pitched. Six and two-thirds innings, he only gave up two hits uh, after yeah. the uh, home run. The, the next hit he gave up was the last one of the last at-bats he had. So he was really, really solid there for MSU after they got the lead and, and, and just held on to it. And then, you know, it was just, you know, Lee Belt comes in and, and you go from there, and then, then the ninth inning happens. And that was a, as I said on the podcast, which you listen to, and I encourage all of our MSU listeners, and hey, if you're old Miss listeners, you can listen to. Uh, but I said, you know, that is I a just fan. needed some baseball talk while I was cutting the grass this morning. I got and, you. Uh, hey, I, man. I thought uh, you might provide it. As I said on Twitter, any Ole Miss people who listen to the Thunder and Lightning podcast, I appreciate your business. Uh, but that that ninth inning, that is what, as a fan, that's why you're paying money to get into the stadium. It's not just to see your team win. It's to have those kind of special moments. And from Mangum getting a hit in his last at bat, which I thought, you know, how fitting is this? And then what happened with McNamee? That, that's just a magical thing. For him, you know, the, the week that he had, he's been struggling. He's been hurt. He gets passed over in the MLB draft, and then in his last at-bat in front of the home crowd, cranks absolutely destroys one and deposits it in the left-field lounge. Uh, just just a, just something that, and I was glad I was able to catch, capture all that video, which you can find at supertalk.fm, uh, a, a compilation of all my videos from the, uh, the ninth inning. And it, it was something really, really special, and I was, I was glad to be a part of it. Borky, it was a no-doubter. We are in the era of celebrations tied to home runs, right? Bat flips, staring at it. You had Gray Kessinger for Ole Miss yesterday. He hit a home run late in the ball game, and I think the umpire at home plate had to encourage him to run the bases. He 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 looked at it for so long. McNamee crushes it, gives a monster bat flip up the third baseline, kind of hopscotches his way down toward first base, stops, pumps his arm, gets going again, and then he's greeted by the first base umpire telling him to get moving, son. It looked like he said something more aggressive than that, than than that even. I was going Uh, with the radio edit. I mean, he screamed at him, and... Like, I have a son coming, and I'm going to teach him, if he plays baseball, don't show up your opponent. If If you hit a home run, you put your head down and you run. But I love that emotion in baseball. I love, and especially in that moment, if you're the umpire, even if you hate the bat flips, and if you're old school and you say the phrase "back in my day" far too often, just have some kind of situational awareness, and don't scream at a kid as he's rounding first base when he has the greatest sports moment of his life. Shouldn't probably shouldn't go to Facebook and, and try to defend it either. Which is what that umpire, Frank yeah. Sylvester, is doing. <laughs> is he really? Yes. What? No Somebody, way. We've got a, we've got a screen capture here uh, from uh, my friend Robbie Falk's Twitter. Uh, somebody says, I take it you don't like guys that pimp a home run, and Frank Sylvester says, that is correct, very weak move. No, the weak move was screaming at, at a kid after he hits I, a home run in his last at bat. So hard. To send I laughed his- so hard at your tweet, Borky, when he said, just bring on the robots. I was I was giggling up there in the press box because you're right. Just bring them on. Let's 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 get these guys out of here. What a joke that is! I, I cannot stand. And you saw it, the the same thing happened with Madison Baumgartner, right? In, in the majors. Yeah. yeah. 
if you don't like but what somebody does when they hit a home run, then don't give one up. But even in even if you hey dad, that, don't talk out of two sides of your mouth right here. No, no, don't no, no, you no. do what it. What I'm going to say is, I don't have a, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't like what Bumgarner did, and he, the quote from the Dodger hitter is just gold. And that's coming from me, who I don't like the Dodgers. But All right, time I out for a second. We, we just made a jump cut, and if you have no idea what we're talking about, Dodgers beat the Giants one to nothing yesterday. Uh, a guy named Munzee for the uh, for the Dodgers hits a solo home run into McCovey Cove beyond the right field wall. Madison Bumgarner, who was already frustrated with the strike zone, screams at Munzee, "Don't watch it run!" Asked about it after the game, Munzee says. He told me not, not to watch it run, and I told him, "If you don't want me to watch it, why don't you go get the ball out of the ocean?" Just I, I can't, I can't fault that. I can't fault That's that. Perfection. It's perfection. But I have what I was gonna say is I have less of a problem for whatever reason with a player getting upset with another player than the umpire. I don't know if that makes I agree sense. With that. I don't know if it makes no, me a, a hypocrite. Okay, that, that's just I don't have a problem with Bumgarner saying that. I have a problem with the umpire being like, "Get down the line!" I was just all right. Let me ask you at this. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this: If Stanford and this doesn't really feel like the kind of team they are under David Esker, but if Stanford had chosen to plunk the next hitter, would I you have had have a problem a huge with, issue that? with that? Although it's, it's something you don't see much in college baseball, I would right. have had a huge issue with. It. I've been like, I get it. I would have had a problem with it. If you don't want the guy to, to pimp a home run, then don't give up a home run. And, and the, what you should do instead of plunking him is next time he comes up, strike him out. Yeah, plunking him just makes you look I, like a loser. I, I I wouldn't have had a huge issue with it either way. If if that's what they had done, I would have I would have being the old cranky man that I am, I would have been like, that's just baseball. You pimp a home run, the next guy's going to wear one. All right, um, update from Fayetteville. First miscues of the game for Arkansas, or excuse me, for Ole Miss. Uh, Heston Kerstad hits kind of a sinking line drive to left field. Thomas Diller goes to a knee, has it pop in his glove, and then pop out. And Kerstad gets to second, and then Gunnar Hoagland hits the next pitcher, Jack Ken- or the next hitter, Jack Kinley. So Arkansas has got first and second in the bottom of the second with one out. We've also got a final from uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, a bunch to not too game. little, too many, too many, right? Do I now? Yeah, pretty uh, much. So Auburn heads to Omaha, and that is who Mississippi State will play in Game One of their their trip to uh, the College World Series. Don't know times yet, and no. don't know days yet. We'll have to wait until the conclusion of Ole Miss Arkansas, and then ESPN will make that announcement probably later tonight. Fourteen to seven, Auburn over North Carolina, it's a good guaranteeing guaranteeing half the field. Is from the SEC. What a surprise that the most dominant baseball conference will dominate the postseason. And they tried to make this not happen too. Yeah, yeah. It was it was set up to get five if LSU had handled their business down in Baton Rouge. Did that? I know I'm behind you, Richard. Did he lean into that a little bit? Well, touch. there's a review going right now, Just and they will touch. say that no, he did not lean into it. One of the weird rules in college baseball: if it had been ruled that. Jack Kinley had leaned into that pitch. Not only would he come back to the plate, but it would have been called a strike. A strike, yeah. Uh, so that does, well, that's uh, really but, dumb. I guess but, now that I watch the replay, it's not he's leaning. It's just the way he's turning away from the ball takes him into it a little bit. Yeah. Understandably right. so, but it looks like he wasn't upset about getting hit he, by that baseball. He didn't try much, yeah. No. 
Uh, so seven of the eight teams in the College World Series are set. The only remaining spot will belong to either the Arkansas Razorbacks or Ole Miss. Here on the right side of the bracket, that's the side that Mississippi State is on, Vanderbilt against Louisville, and that should be a great game. Uh, Mississippi State against Auburn. Opposite side of the bracket, uh, Michigan, who wins the Corvallis Regional a week ago, goes to Los Angeles and takes two of three from UCLA. Michigan will meet Texas Tech. Texas Tech's a really good baseball team as well. And then Florida State, who is playing well above their seed right now. I mean, think about what Florida State's done. They've gone to Athens and just boat raced Georgia twice. And then they went to Baton Rouge, and they beat LSU twice in front of huge crowds, great environment. Mike Martin headed back to the College World Series, trying to still chase down that first-ever national championship. Florida State will meet either Ole Miss or Arkansas. So that's the College World Series Good storylines coming out of Omaha. Man, you got great storylines. And really, really good baseball teams that are going to be there as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. A couple of hard-hit balls by Arkansas. Jacob Nesbitt with a double into the left-field corner. And the Razorbacks have taken a 2-1 to lead over Ole Miss in the bottom of the second inning. They've still got second and third with just one out. And I think that's Christian Franklin. Yeah, Christian Franklin at the plate for the Razorbacks. Uh, ending, let's see, the inning started off okay uh, with a ground out, and then you got um, that line drive to left field we talked about that kicked off Thomas Dillard's glove. That gave Arkansas a couple of base runners, and uh, it's kind of spiraled from there a little bit, and Hoagland's gotten hit hard by the uh, last couple of hitters. 2-1, to one, Arkansas leading it in the bottom of the second inning. If you want to be a part of the show this afternoon, you can text us on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Please don't text and drive. That's what uh, C Spire would ask of you. Tony in Columbia. Um... If McNamee would have hit the home run that he hit last night in week five or six of the regular season, he would not have done that. Just the emotions of this time of year. Talking about the bat flip and the trot to first base and getting yelled at by the umpire. You agree with that, hey, Dad? 100%. I mean, that was just, yeah. I mean, it made a 5 1 game 8 to 1. It's not like that was, you know, putting state ahead or anything like that. Um, I mean, it, like I said, some of the stuff I said in the, in the previous segment. That, you know, not getting drafted and, and coming back from injury and struggling in the in the regional last week, it, it, it's all came to a head for him in, in that at bat, and, and it all just poured out of him there. I understand that. A couple of other texts. Uh, Yo, Richard, you're killing us guys who don't have a TV at work. Spoiler for sure, but hey, I'm up $15 so far betting with these dummies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good That's- stuff. That's pretty good. Jeff asked if Ole Miss is the most superstitious baseball team ever. Hashtag baby blues. Uh, I would say that would be a stretch to call them the most superstitious ever, but uh, I hope you like the powder blues because they're not changing out of those. No. 
One other text uh, from Dan in Charleston who asked what happened to the kid from State who had the medical issue Saturday. That was uh, mm. pitcher Jack Egan. Uh, I, I don't have, like, I don't know exactly what happened. I've heard the term seizure. I've heard, you know, he just had a medical issue, is I think what Chris Lamonis told us uh, in post game uh, in the dugout uh, between innings. And I, it's something I didn't even notice. I'm, I'm just sitting there, you know, looking at the, the, the stats and all that in between innings. And I remember Colby White's warming up, and, and his warm-up song, you know, they're not supposed to play it, but they played it anyway, was Inner Sandman. And I'm, you know, I like Inner Sandman. Great song. So I'm just in there listening to Inner Sandman, and in the back of my mind I'm going, they're playing this whole song. What is the holdup? And then I look up, and out on the field you see, you know, what's going on. And, uh, you know, they, they, he was stable. He tweeted out yesterday that he's fine. Uh, I expect him to be back with the team. Uh, when they head to Omaha, but a very scary moment there. And Chris Lamonis, man, talk about emotion. If you haven't watched the uh, the press conference again, that's available at supertalk.fm. Uh, he, I mean, he teared up. He teared up, and I felt bad. I had the next question, and I, he's up there. You know, he's he's really emotional, and I'm about to ask him a question about something completely unrelated. So I just let him have that moment to compose himself, and and he went on from there. But yeah, you know, the the care he had for his players was very evident in in that moment. Mike Kennison is stepping down as the baseball coach at Delta State. He's going to continue on as the athletics director. Sent a letter to Delta State fans. To all statesmen supporters serving as coach of Delta State for the past 26 years has been a great honor and the pride of wearing the green and white is second only to my faith and family. This program has provided many great memories, relationships, and opportunities for growth, and I'm grateful for the treasured relationships of fellow coaches, players, parents, and fans. After much thought and prayer, I've reached a decision to focus completely on the duties of Director of Athletics and therefore will not return as head coach to the Statesman next season. My heart's not allowed this to be an easy decision. I feel it's time for me to devote my full attention to serving all programs and coaches here at the school I love. It's also a great honor to lead our athletic staff and department. I'd like to thank my family who've worked uh, with this program and me and always supported my love of coaching and um Follows it up with, rest assured, our program will move forward. I will continue to serve the duties of head coach until our next leader is chosen. That process will begin immediately. I look forward to the future of Delta State Baseball and will be fully supportive of the program in this time of transition. Always a statesman, Mike Kennison. So a nice letter from Mike Kennison to the uh, to the Delta State family. Uh, what a class act. Uh, we have always enjoyed our conversations with Mike uh, knew that he had moved into the, the co-athletic director slash head coach role. And when you think about the responsibilities of both of those jobs, that's a lot on your plate. But nobody, even close to the program, knew exactly what Mike Kennison was going to do, how it was going to uh, end up. Uh, Arkansas scores two more runs on a base hit to right field. Razorbacks now lead it 4-1 to one in the bottom of the second inning. Nobody was sure what Mike Kennison was going to do, and I guess until this uh, letter was released, maybe he was kind of struggling with the decision as well. But uh, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, loses a big-time baseball coach in Mike Kennison. Good man as well. Got an hour in the book. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank. 
where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. So if you're a farmer with equipment needs, looking to buy new land or maybe refinance an existing loan, maybe you need a crop loan, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Not a farmer, but looking to perhaps build a dream home or just a house or a cabin in the country, uh, again, that's something that Mississippi Land Bank can do for you. You can find their website, MSLandBank.com. There you can find branch locations, contact information, and all sorts of other good stuff. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Ole Miss batting with two outs in the top of the third inning, trailing 4-1 to one to Arkansas. Ole Miss jumped out to a one to nothing lead. Arkansas got four runs in the bottom of the second. The Razorbacks are the home team today, and they are now headed to the plate to bat in the bottom of the third inning as uh, Cooper Johnson struck out looking, Greg Kessinger struck out looking. Uh, probably got to swing the bat, right? They say it helps. Seems, seems like that's a, a better plan. Um, or you take advantage, you know, from the other side of that, if you're a pitcher, you take advantage of the, uh, you know, extra ball you're getting on the inside corner and the extra ball you're getting on the outside corner. That works in both directions. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it is Monday. It is just after 4 o'clock. That means it is time for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win, and a winner never quit. All right, winners and losers from the weekend. I got a winner for you. So early on Saturday, Louisville beat ECU 12 to nothing to be the first team to advance to the College World Series. Zero drama in the game, except for the fact that Bobby Miller for Louisville on the mound carried a no-hitter into the ninth inning. So that was kind of cool. And then he hit the leadoff batter and gave up a single, and it was over. So back to absolutely no drama. If he had gotten the the no-hitter, it would have been the first ever no-hitter in a Super Regional. So you think, well, we'll have to wait a little while longer for that. You didn't have to wait much longer as Kumar Rocker who is a freshman pitcher for Vanderbilt, threw a complete game no-hitter with 19 punch-outs, 19 strikeouts for Kumar Rocker. By the way, he's the son of Tracy Rocker, who is the, uh, I guess, currently an assistant coach at Tennessee. Been a bunch of different places in the uh, in the SEC and in the NFL, played at Auburn. Uh, his mom was there in the stands, hanging on every pitch, especially late in the game. It's kind of a cool scene. How good was he Saturday night? I'll put that pitching performance up against any in baseball, not not just college, in baseball history. Okay, a no hitter with nineteen strikeouts. I mean, that's that's pretty dang good. In in a must win to stay yeah. alive game after getting beat eighteen to five the night before. Yes. Yes, I mean everything. We take everything into account. That's as good as you'll get on the diamond. Hey, how was the strike zone in Starkville this weekend over the course of two games? Different. <laughs> it was just, yeah. Uh, as I recall, Saturday night's game, it, it seemed like it was pretty wide. And then la- I thought last night was pretty consistent. It was okay. I, I, I don't remember just 
ever saying, I don't know where that pitch was, but on Saturday for sure there were some pitches that I thought were strikes that were called balls and, and the other way around. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's going to happen in every single game. I've seen a bunch of non-SEC umpires that I thought have had pretty good strike zones, and you look up and Jeff Head's calling, and, and look, I mean, Ole Miss is pitching right now, so this is not a oh, Ole Miss is getting screwed deal. Good heart for Arkansas is at the plate. He's ahead 2-0 in the count. Hoagland throws a fastball that's six inches off the outside corner. Strike! Yeah. Just just call the plate. Is it that hard to call strikes based on whether or not they cross the plate or not? It's not if it was a robot back there. <laughs> Get the robots in. Jeez. They, got, they can create robots that, that, that take flips and, and run like a dog, but they can't give me one that call ball and strikes. Let's go. Give me a winner, Borky. I'm about to be sappy for a second. Modern technology, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life, occurred at the end of last week. Hey, Dad's already seen it. I, I sent it to you this morning. I didn't know you could do this, and, and you guys have, what, five kids between the two of you, so this is nothing new. But as a first-timer, we, we got another ultrasound last week, and it was timed perfectly somehow to where, like, Baby James's face emerged, and you see him blink, and then he gives out a big yawn. And that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I got to watch my little baby inside yawn. And I know this is nothing new to you guys. I just, I, man, I started crying. Just the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life was watching my kid yawn. And, I mean, we're still five months out before he even comes. It was awesome experience. When he yawned? Probably. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome, Good stuff. That's fantastic. Give me a winner, Mr. Hey Dad. Hmm. I wonder which way I'm going to go. Uh, let's go with uh, Jake Mangum and Elijah McNamee. Uh, to, to close out their college career, to do the things they did in their final at bat at Mississippi State, to, to clinch a berth to Omaha. You know, McNamee, you go back a season ago after State was eliminated, he made the guarantee that this team would return to the College World Series. He delivered on that. Just a special weekend for those two guys who have been a part of, you know, incredible success but incredible adversity at Mississippi State. Four different head coaches uh, in their time in Starkville. So those two guys will get my, my winner this week. It's hard to argue with those. Trying to think if uh, Michigan deserves to be on the winners list. I think more than Michigan being on the winners list, UCLA belongs on the losers list. Well, why do you, why do you want to take it away from Michigan? They just—I mean, they played well, but they, you're the number one team in the nation. They went to Corvallis, Oregon, yeah, and won a regional, and got home for like 15 minutes, and then turned around and went back to the West Coast to Los Angeles, and they didn't just win; they won two really close games, yeah, against the number one team in the country. And, and the team won. that has not lost a weekend series and did not lose a midweek game the entire year. Yeah. The whole year. But they did when the chips were down. Whoo. Yeah. And just for for me though, I look at UCLA and you know, you're given you got a home regional against what, a number two seed that was you know, they they were comfortably in the tournament, but they weren't a great team all year. And you, you can't get the job done. I mean that's 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 sort of embarrassing to me. Yeah, that's um, that's a reasonable take. Were they a two seed? Michigan? Well, they couldn't have been the one seed. They were in Corvallis. No, I mean, they, they may were have been the a three. three. I don't know. Michigan, Michigan, and Florida State were both in the last four in. Well, then there you go. Yeah, 
Michigan was the three seed in Corvallis. So you've got two of the eight teams in the College World Series were in the last four in category. Yeah. And probably Auburn may not have been the last four in, but maybe the last eight in. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't have that list in front of me. Um, Ole Miss has made a pitching change. Austin Miller coming into the game. Arkansas has got first and second with nobody out in the bottom of the third, already leading four to one. That was probably about three hitters too late on that decision. So, uh, new pitcher in the game for Ole Miss. You guys got a loser? Unwritten rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. Oh, especially umpires as well. That that really bothered me. I mean, just have some situational awareness. And I'm glad nobody noticed it except for the people watching on television. Uh, because if I was the coach, I would not have taken kindly to an umpire yelling at my kid that way. Um, there, there's ways to go about it other than that. But in that moment, understand what is going on. And if you have to say something, wait until he gets into the dugout and say, hey, don't do that again. There's better ways to go about it than screaming at a kid as he's rounding first when he hits the greatest home run of his life. I just thought that entire sequence was a complete joke, and that only happens in baseball. Do you think McNamee even heard him? No, no, there's no way. No, no chance. Good. Give me a loser, hey, Dad? I'm going to go with a personal one, uh, and it's going to be soccer, unfortunately, for y'all, but Chelsea Football Club, my team, Lost its best player last week, Eden Hazard. He's off to Real Madrid uh, because he wanted to play there. That was his lifelong dream, and they did, they did that. Chelsea now is under a transfer ban. They can't sign any players for the next year. Uh, they're two of their top young, three of their top young players for next season have all suffered <laughs> pretty bad injuries, a couple of Achilles tears and a bad ankle sprain. They're going to be doubtful for the start of the season. Not great times in West London right now. What does that mean? They've got a transfer ban. They can't can sign they any new players play? for the next year uh, because they signed some players uh, that should have been ineligible to be signed because they were too young. Yeah. Cheaters, so, huh? Basically, yeah. So uh, for the next year, they're not allowed to sign any new players. They can lose Women's, players like they did with, with, with Hazard. but uh, Women's World Cup is underway. Yeah. U.S. Women's National Team plays against Thailand tomorrow. I bet they win. Sure, hey, that'll keep you up to date on that. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Those are your winners and losers. Chris Lamonis joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Arkansas pouring it on early against Ole Miss. They scored four runs in the second. They have added three runs in the third, and the Razorbacks lead 7-1 to one over Ole Miss. This is not a lineup that you want to dig yourself a big hole against. And uh, Arkansas elected to go to the bullpen early. Uh, they went to Cody Scroggins. He's been good since coming in. Ole Miss has made a pitching substitution as well. Austin Miller has come into the game. And Arkansas is kind of extra base hitting Ole Miss to death in this game right now. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Farm Bureau. We are joined by Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Year number one. Coach, in some ways, you are kind of handed the keys to a Ferrari. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration going into this year, but it was a team that had been to Omaha, had a bunch of pieces coming back, 
and it's like you had been driving a Ferrari your entire life. How how easy was it to push the right buttons throughout the course of the season? Yeah, I would never say it's easy, not in the SEC West or any part of the SEC. And, you know, we were very fortunate to come back and have a team um, who played so well at the end of the year. You know, and I, I know we're able to have some great players, but we also, we also picked ninth in the league by the SEC coaches. So um, the, the uncertainty of what we were was a big part of our offseason, and I think our kids did an unbelievable job of, of moving forward and taking that momentum from last year. What was the what was the emotion like for you last night inside a, a stadium that was obviously just incredibly charged? There was a ton of energy in there. I, I said to Haydad a little while ago. In some ways, you know, after you took the lead in the third inning, it felt more like a coronation and a celebration uh, than it did just a game where I know you're not looking at it that way, but kind of outside looking in, it felt like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, that offense for Stanford is really, really good. And- um, probably weren't great this weekend, but they had about as many home runs home runs as anybody in the country. So um, maybe late, I felt it a little bit. I mean, our uh, the recognition of our players from our fan base. Uh, the ninth inning was, you know, kind of magical is the word I've used. You just don't you don't see guys get to walk out the way that Jake Mangum or Cole Gordon or Elijah McNamee got to walk out of Duty Noble. Um, man, just so happy for those guys. I mean, that's the the appreciation for our players is just, you know, was an all-time high. Hey, Coach, it's Brian. Hey, Dad. You know that you're playing Auburn in the uh, first game when you get to Omaha. Is that something that, you know, having that familiarity, is, is it a positive, or do you have to tell your team, look, even though we beat these guys in the regular season, you know, this is a whole new, whole new uh, ball game, uh, forgive the pun, now that we're, we're in the postseason? Yeah, it feels like an eternity ago we played Auburn, so – I think it's two totally different teams right now. I I, um, I like the fact that our kids have played in Omaha, you know, um, and been there and been used to the experience. But Auburn's played in a lot of big environments. They'll, they'll be ready to go, too. And um, it should be a great college baseball game like all these games out here. Uh, the best of the best are here, and uh, we're looking forward to it. You're no stranger to Omaha either. Uh, what three trips with uh, with Louisville when you're on Dan McDonald's staff? And by the way, he says hello. Uh, saw him in Louisville over the weekend, and uh, I think he was pulling pretty hard for you as well. Uh, what is the experience of having been there? You, you mentioned it for your players a second ago, but even as a coach, what does that mean going into this coming weekend? Well, it's a comfort for sure, just knowing the dynamics, the city. You know, my last four years in Indiana, we hosted the uh, our conference tournament was in TD Ameritrade. So you just kind of uh, you know the lay of the land, the locker rooms, you know how everything works, how the ballpark plays. Um, instead of coming in, you know, going my first year when we showed up, uh, you're just wide eyed and happy to be there. Uh, you feel like you have a little bit more of a plan. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm curious. I mentioned Dan McDonald. What what did you take from your time with him? Uh, I know you guys played together and were assistants together at the Citadel, and then kind of reunited at Louisville before you were able to move on and and be a head coach. Uh, what did you take from from your time working as the number one assistant under Dan McDonald? Well, you know our history goes way back. You know, we were roomed together in college. He played second. I played first. So it was a um, you know for me that time in my life was very special because. Uh, we had a lot of success, and we raised our families kind of together. And then I got to learn, you know, for me, he came out of Ole Miss and was in an SEC program, and 
we started, you know, when we went to Louisville, Louisville had won one regional in the history of the program, like 100 years. And so uh, how to run a major program, all the dynamics, the recruiting, the, the, the fans, the everything else. I feel like I, you know, leaving the Citadel and going there, I grasped what it was like to how to play and coach on the big stage. When you look ahead to what's coming up this week, what, what's kind of the, the schedule of events for this team? Uh, obviously, you finished things up last night, so you don't have to deal with the Monday night game. Uh, there's a lot of festivities that go around. You still, I guess, have to wait to find out whether or not you're playing on Saturday or Sunday. So what's kind of the schedule this week for the team? We practice the next couple mornings. So we practice tomorrow morning. We practice Wednesday morning, but we hustle and got to get on a flight to Omaha Wednesday afternoon. So um, they got the new Major League uh, Baseball. The Royals and the Tigers are playing at TD Ameritrade on Thursday night. So we're a part of that. And then our practice schedule, really your practice day in Omaha is Friday. And they have a nice ceremony that night. And then we find out if we're the Saturday teams or the Sunday teams. So we'll uh, we'll figure that out probably, I think, 6.30 tonight is what they say. What about, uh, what about JT again? I know you said that um... – could have potentially pitched if it had gone to a, to a game three. What's your anticipation of what his role is going to look like this coming week? No, we're going to do a bullpen with him and continue his uh, arm care and you know just see where he's at and how he matches up while we're out there. Obviously, we'll start Ethan Small game one, and then we'll just see how we match up. I mean, we're in a good situation because we have Peyton Plumlee's pitched so well over the last month that uh, – that second game for us will be a lot of matchup, but JT should be in the mix. Uh, let me ask you about two guys, and, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, one, if you'll take me a little bit deeper on on Peyton Plumley and and what he did, and then also, and I know you talked about this some in your your post game comments last night, but just kind of the last, uh, not just the last week, but the last few weeks for Elijah McNamee, what he's gone through, and kind of the the way he was able to cap his his last at bat at Duty Noble. Well, you know, when you have seniors, and, and Peyton Pumley's had an up-and-down career, like everybody knows, but he came back, and it hasn't even been easy this year. He had some up-and-downs during the year, and, boy, but, you know, we got into the last couple weeks of the season. He started giving us really good starts. He had a great start at Ole Miss, and then he took it into the postseason, and, um, you know, the, the start against Miami. I mean, the Miami offense and Stanford offense are two of the more powerful offenses in the country, and, man, he made it look easy. Um and, you know, just very happy for him. I walked out, and we knew he only had – we told ourselves in the seventh he had one hitter. One guy got on base, we were going to go to Leeds. And um, so it was nice to be able to walk out. And I, when I grabbed him and gave him a hug, I told him, man, I said, walk slow back. I said, these fans want to appreciate you. And, and uh, it was pretty cool to see him be able to walk off the field for the last time and to a standing ovation from all our Bulldog fans. And then, you know, Max the same way. It's been a, It has been a hard month for Mac, and he – he takes so much pride in our program and, and playing well. And he was, you know, he got hurt and he became a great teammate. But even before the real big injury, he played on a, you know, I don't want to say a bad foot for about three weeks and he really wasn't playing well. Um, the two weeks was probably the best thing for him because he's come back and given us some really good at bats. And I know on the last night of the draft how crusty was. Um, it's a dream of his to play Major League Baseball. Um, but he came out the next day with the most unbelievable attitude. And um, which is what Elijah's all about. And, you know, this game usually rewards uh, guys that do it the right way, and it rewarded him last night. Chris, really appreciate your time, not just today, but all season long. You've been great to visit with us on, uh, on Mondays or Tuesdays throughout the season. Wish you nothing but the best in Omaha. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Chris Lamonis.
Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Borky, how about some dumb criminal news? Yeah, in a fight over tacos, very on-brand for the state of Texas, a Texas A&M football player, (laughs) Derek Tucker, was arrested because of an incident that occurred back in March where he hit a guy in the back of the head because an argument that stemmed from tacos. I mean, I would fight someone for tacos. $5,000 bail... Jimbo Fisher released a statement that said nothing. You know, the whole we're gathering details and stuff, as you should do, generally speaking, when a player gets arrested. But, yeah, you've got guys hitting other guys because of tacos. The Eagle newspaper in College Station reports Derek Tucker's arrest this week stemmed from an altercation that took place on May to, uh, March 24th. Tucker, a junior defensive back for the Aggies, booked in the Brazos County Jail, released on $5,000 bond. Or bail. Same difference, right? Eh, I think so. Confrontation turned physical after they were arguing over food. Tucker at one point hit the person on the back of his head. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, there's got to be something underlying, right? Well, one guy said that real tacos are with uh, a soft tortilla, and the other guy said that they're with a hard shell or both, and it got physical. That almost happened to us in Greenville last week, Richard. Over tacos? Yeah. Yeah, because Hey Dad's wrong. Oh, here we go. Okay, well, uh, let me weigh in on the argument. What what are we debating? Real tacos. Crunchy taco shells are for children. All right, if you want a taco, it comes in a soft. It can be crispy, but it needs to be soft and pliable. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, uh, now, 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 now. Guess what's going to happen next time I see you? I'm gonna hit you in the back of the head. Yeah, well, maybe you better bring it. Um, I'm afraid of you, Cross. Do you? Are you a Taco Bell guy? When I go to Taco Bell, yeah, I'll go to Taco Bell, sure. What 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 is your, you know, back in your days where you were less health conscious, what was your order? I would get a uh, grande meal. What's in a grande meal? Ten tacos. <laughs> you would get ten soft tacos? Yes. Okay. Uh, Borky, are you a Taco Bell guy? If I've had a few beers and it's after ten, yeah. I am a little ashamed to admit that I'm like a three times a week Taco Bell guy. Are you really, like any time of day? Uh, generally at night. Generally at night. Um, See, I hate people like you because if I did that, I would just balloon up. I can't, I yeah, can't eat that stuff. And I'm a uh, two crunchy taco supreme. A nacho supreme with no beans and an order of cinnamon twists kind of guy. But that said, if you go to a real Mexican restaurant, a nice Mexican restaurant, your tacos are coming on soft tortillas. If I go to a Mexican restaurant, I order fajitas. I'm just saying, it's coming on a soft tortilla. Yeah, but that's not a taco. It's a fajita. What I'm trying to tell you is, 
if you go to a good place to get tacos, the, the taco, the, the tortilla will always be soft. It will always be pliable. It will not be a yeah, glorified you, tortilla uh, chip. Unless you ask for crunchy shells. They, they, I'm telling you, they, won't, they probably won't even offer it to you. Like that's not. My an kids get here, tacos sir. when we go to a Mexican restaurant. And they come out on crunchy shells. I'm talking about a. I'm not talking about Mississippi Mexican restaurants. I'm talking about real Mexican restaurants here. I will fight anyone for this too. Also, cornbread is not good, and brisket is better than pulled pork. Boom. Anybody want to want to come at me? You know well, where to find that last one. They're just they're they're two. They serve two completely different purposes. Like they, a street they don't taco have to be one stand with authentic tacos does not offer crunchy tacos. Thank you. Uh, that's that's on the ceasefire text line. You are correct. That is, hold on. Is a street taco stand really authentic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think he's talking about like ones in Mexico. Yes. Oh. Those are. Well, yeah, yes. that would be. Yes, that would be authentic. You can't get any Plus, more Plus, it would be hard not to like crack the shells. Correct. Yeah. If you want something crunchy, get nachos. I do. And tacos <laughs> that are crunchy. Well, man, we need, we need to go to the Mexican restaurant sometime. In Sounds fact, like you know, this, this whole crunchy taco supreme, that's a relatively new order. I mean, I used to kind of mix. Like, I would get three taco supremes and get, like, one crunchy and two soft, or two soft and one crunchy just to kind of mix it up. I'm not really passionate about this. Whatever. <laughs> Clearly you are. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. College Football Fix is next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. So if a tractor is what you need, if it's a refinance of an existing loan, if you're buying new property, uh, maybe you're buying a piece of recreational property, give them a call. You can find a phone number or a branch location online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Game one of the Arkansas-Ole Miss series was a rout. Arkansas beat Ole Miss 11-2. Yesterday, game two of the series was a rout. Ole Miss beat Arkansas 13-5. Unless something changes, game three is also going to be a rout. Arkansas leading over Ole Miss 9-1 in the bottom of the fifth inning. Arkansas with one out and a runner on first. Razorbacks trying to get back to the College World Series for a second consecutive season after playing in the uh, the finals against Oregon State a year ago and being one out away from winning a national championship. Um, Parker Gracie is now in the game for Ole Miss. The uh, the starter was uh, Gunnar Hoagland. It did not go well for Hoagland. Two innings, five hits, six earned runs, a walk, and a strikeout. In relief, Austin Miller, two innings, four hits, three runs, two earned, a walk and a strikeout. And now Parker Caracy has come into the game. He's gotten a fly ball out and has walked a batter. So, uh, you know, if Ole Miss is going to make a comeback in this game, the, the formula is pretty simple. One, they got to start hitting. And two, they got to put some zeros on the board. 
against an Arkansas offense that has nine runs and nine hits in the game. Uh, glad to have you along. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough, the F-150, best-selling truck in America for 42 straight years. Normally, uh, this time of year, we would give you a military salute on a Monday. Let's hold that a day, though, because uh, we're on limited stations today. Let's hold that uh, for the full network tomorrow, as uh, I think we've got a couple of cool stories to uh, to share with you as in partnership with Ford, we continue to salute our military members and first responders in the state of Mississippi. I don't know how much you guys have thought about this or read about it or looked at it, but it's pretty fascinating. You know right now that programs in the SEC are getting big fat checks every year and the biggest portion of that money is due to the television contracts that... um, Uh, that the SEC's got in place, primarily with ESPN, uh, which is, you know, all of the regular ESPN channels plus the SEC network and the revenue that generates, but then also through its deal with CBS. But of the $45 or so, give or take, maybe take a little, that uh, the SEC teams will get this year, a very small percentage of that comes from their contract with CBS. CBS pays $55 million a year to broadcast the premier SEC football game. Right? So the, the 2.30 window on CBS and then some select basketball games, they pay $55 million. Doesn't that include the SEC championship as well? It does. It does. Uh, and what, they've added a couple of games in the last couple of years because they have uh, gotten out of the U.S. Open tennis business. So instead of not starting with the SEC game of the week until week three, you get that a little bit earlier now. But it is the most undervalued contract in all of sports television. And it's really not close. Um, everybody points to the fact that ESPN pays $2 billion for Monday Night Football in what is not usually a marquee game, and yet they are paying $55 million for SEC football that consistently, over the course of a couple of decades, has delivered big ratings on a Saturday afternoon and occasionally on primetime and Saturday night, and then also giving some big basketball games as well. Yeah, and for reference, uh, that Monday night football contract... Uh, the NFL always does better than college football, but Monday Night Football versus the SEC on CBS is actually a lot closer than you think. So in 2018, Monday Night Football averaged about 11.6 million people per broadcast. The SEC on CBS last year, so the SEC championship game did 17 million people. You had multiple other games that were around the 11, 10, 9 mark. Now some weeks are bad, like when you had Alabama Vanderbilt that doesn't rate very well, but generally speaking, it's in the ballpark. The NFL is always better, but it, it it's in the ballpark. So $55 million versus $2 billion 
for comparable numbers is staggering. The contract has, I think, four years left on it. Although there is maybe an opportunity for it to end a little bit sooner. I think there are a couple of things at play here. When the SEC added two more teams, when Missouri and Texas A&M came into the league, the conference kind of redid its deal with ESPN. And both are extremely happy with the partnership. CBS had no interest whatsoever in looking at or redoing the deal. And I don't believe that that's set well with the SEC. And this conference has got a long memory. So that's number one. Number two, not too terribly long ago, a few months back, you may remember just kind of an under-the-radar press release that came out of the SEC offices mentioning that the SEC had partnered with two different entities. I don't remember the second one. The first one was CAA Sports. So basically, the SEC now has an agent to negotiate its television deal. Boys, I don't think this is good for CBS. Oh, darn. What a shame. Does the potential... As long as they keep the theme music. That needs to stay. But beyond that, though, I'm fine. Yeah, I think CBS probably owns the theme music. Ah, Oh, well. Uh, Would you care about losing CBS and the 230 game? I mean, I don't think you're going to lose the 230 game. You're going to lose it being on CBS. Well, I guess that's if CBS is basically what I was asking. Yeah, I mean... Well, who would pick I it up, I guess, care. is the question. ESPN? ESPN would probably just want the whole banner at that point, want the whole package. They'd what have, would they pay have. for it? A billion a team? I don't know. No, not billion, a billion. billion. No. They play you two billion they get, for the NFL. Two billion for one game? No, 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 no. no, no that's no. for the season. No, that's for, oh, the, that's season. for the season. No, no, but I'm saying it's one game a week. For a yeah, non-marquee matchup. Yeah, but it's still the NFL. I guess. Yeah, it's something would, like a hundred million a game or somewhere around there, because so, they have multi, you know they have back-to-back sometimes and stuff like that. I think it's about a hundred million a game, two something like that. Maybe, maybe well, CBS, here's a better question. CBS does what 14, 14 games plus the championship game. Eh, it's it's going to be a multiple. It's going to be a multiple of a billion. Mm, depending on how long. So, so what's that? Fourteen. So is that like $4 million a game is what CBS is paying? Just not factoring any That's basketball in at think all? About. Gosh. Yeah. Whereas ESPN is currently paying a little over $100 million a game for Monday Night Football. Let's not pretend like the SEC Saturday afternoon game is worth Monday Night Football money. But if it goes from four million a game to twenty million a game or twenty-five million a game, you're talking about a pretty significant bump in the amount of revenue coming in, and then that money gets split what fifteen ways, fourteen ways plus the conference office gets a share. You're going, you know, you're what three or four years away from that check that comes in June every year, getting another. What? Four or five million dollars bigger? Yeah. It's a pretty darn big deal. It's a pretty big deal. You think CBS will come to it bad come to bat and try and work something out to keep the SEC? 
They should you because you don't get you don't get a higher draw in college football on a weekly basis than that right. game right there. Yeah. Or are they content to say, we've had our cake and we've eaten it for a really long time. Thank you. We'll go on a diet now. <laughs> we'll see. It'll be fun to uh, or interesting to watch that unfold. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. All right, here's some baseball nuggets for you. Last time Arkansas lost after leading by six or more runs, April 8th, 2017. Led LSU 8-1 after six innings. Tigers came back to win it 10-8. I think that was the possum game. <laughs> if Arkansas holds on, this will be only the second time in the past eight years that more than half of the College World Series field will consist of top eight national seeds. Five of the top eight made it in 2017. Uh, How about this for you? Louisville and Florida State are both in the College World Series, meaning there is a chance that ACC Network could launch, comes out in August, with the conference holding the basketball, men's, uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, basketball, baseball, and football national championships. Only three times previously has one conference won all three titles in the same academic year. Care to guess who? I bet it's not the SEC. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm going to guess. SEC. I'm going to guess it's the Pac-12 somehow. The Pac-8. Oh. Oh. In in 1972-73, had Southern Cal win football, UCLA win basketball, and Southern Cal win baseball. Uh, let's the see. Rod Dodeau era. Yeah. Six years earlier, 1967-68? Is that four years earlier? Yeah, whatever. Uh, same same three. USC in football, UCLA in basketball, USC in baseball. The other, the Big Ten. 1952-53 academic year. Michigan State won a national championship in football. Indiana won it all in basketball. And Michigan won the national championship in baseball. Those are the only three times that one conference has held the football, men's basketball, and baseball national championships at the same time. Surely the SEC has had some two out of threes in there. Had to have. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Florida held football and basketball at the same time, didn't they? That's right, yeah. Well, it meant Oregon State going back to back in this in the World Series, I think. Yeah, but they didn't have a. No, I'm asking who. What was the SEC missing? Oh, uh, yeah, that would have been about the right time. Yeah. That 0607. Well, 0607 wasn't that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, if I only, actually, I, if I got kind of. We had a device. Yeah, I know. I got sidetracked by watching a ground ball to first where instead of going and stepping on the bag, no. Cole Zabowski tried to underhand toss about a 30-yard flip to Parker Caracy, thinking was, that he would be we Trevor right, Rizal to first base. We were right. 06-07 was, uh, was Oregon State. There you go. There you go. 
it's not the day for the Rebels, guys. They're kind of unraveling a little bit. Yeah, I haven't seen it just, yet, so just, well, just take just, your word for it. Just watch; it's coming. <laughs> so, how do you um, look at the season? I, I mean, I guess this is a conversation for later on in the week. I'm sure because this game isn't even over yet. But I mean, you will see the departure of this number one recruiting class that saw one super regional and did not make it to the College World Series. I know it's not exactly fair, but... Look, look, this is not probably a popular sentiment. I mean, assuming Ole Miss doesn't rally in this game and get to the College World Series, which doesn't look likely. The season was a success. They got to a Super Regional. They were a win away from the College World Series. There's no other way to slice it. They went on the road to the number 5 national seed, lost a game, won a game, lost a game. They swept through a regional that they hosted. They had a good run in the SEC tournament. Probably doesn't mean a lot. They were above 500 in SEC play. They overcame kind of a late season swoon and played really well in the postseason. It was a good year. It was a really good year. It was just a year that had a weird vibe all the way through it because of what happened a year ago against Tennessee Tech. The, the entire year feels different if Ole Miss beats Tennessee Tech last season because then you get Texas in a Super Regional at home and, yeah, maybe you win it, maybe you don't, whatever. But this team, this Ole Miss team, carried that on its shoulders all the way to the point in which they beat Jacksonville State a week and a half ago to get to a Super Regional. And at that point, they exercised that demon. And they're going to lose two out of three to a really good baseball team, a team that they played eight times this year and won four and lost four to. Tell me what I'm missing. You you, you may completely disagree with me. Let me add one more thing before you tell me what I'm missing. The fact that Mississippi State went 51-13 and and is headed to Omaha and is sitting at home and watching this game, and I'm sure most folks are laughing about it. That's, that's fine, whatever. That tints the perception as well. Whether it should or it shouldn't, it does for a lot of people. Do you disagree with some of what I said, all of what I said, Borky? Oh, no, I was just asking the question. Um, you can't judge any program no matter what on on Omaha appearances. I think Super Regionals is a good gauge. Uh, and they did that. They got it they made it to game 3 in a Super Regional. It's hard to fault or find a negative. I guess they didn't play very well during the regular season. They kind of had their to back in their way into a regional host, but no, you're right. And, and especially for fans and the ones that I mean my phone is is kind of blowing up right now of buddies from college and stuff that are that are very unhappy with the situation and they can't help but mention well look at what Mississippi State's doing in their complaints that that is certainly damaging the perception of how that season went you're absolutely right about that hey dad if the shoe were on the other foot would Mississippi State fans be measuring their success or lack thereof against what Ole Miss was doing absolutely they would absolutely that's just part of the rivalry it's just you know it's you got to be better I made that comment, I think, on, on the podcast, and I think I've said it on the show, that you know, if, if Ole Miss were to go to Omaha this year, there would be state fans who would – they'd be happy states there, 
But oh, Ole Miss is here. You know, why couldn't they? Why are they here? And I think they I think it's true on the other side as well. They'd be like, ah, oh, why stayed here? And I can't I can't even enjoy it. I can't get away from them. So that said, you made a good point. I thought about, or maybe it's Borky, that the College World Series has just become the the be all end all. And, I, and this is a point I like to make it. In, in basketball, if, if a team made four straight, you know, look at Mississippi State, four straight Super Regionals, two straight trips to Omaha. But if a basketball team made four straight Sweet 16s, everybody would be thrilled. If State yeah. or Ole Miss made four straight Sweet 16s in basketball, everybody's going nuts. But because the College World Series is sort of held up to a standard that maybe the Final Four is or the national, the, the college football playoff is, you feel like if you don't make it to Omaha sometimes, you didn't, you didn't have a successful season. See, I, I would... And I, it's it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. I would almost prop super regionals up as like getting getting to the elite eight. So not like just getting to the second weekend of the tournament, mm-hmm. but you know you're a win away from the final four, right? Because usually in, would, in the elite and, eight, and then, where you have the the big programs, and that's where you have right. the super regionals. Very rarely does somebody sneak in. Uh, you, you don't see a lot of mid majors making the. Uh, the super regionals, yeah. So I see what you're saying. I, I know when people want to do, you know, career resume, whatever else. You go, oh, it's one trip to Omaha in 19 years for Ole Miss. You probably need to go more than that. You need to go more often than that. But one I super agree. regional every three years, on average, for for 19 years, that's pretty good. Now, that's jaded a little bit by the fact that, what, four of them are clustered in five years when they go six, seven, and they're five, six, seven, and nine. Or maybe it was four in five years. So, I don't know. I mean, clamoring that... The, backing away from the debate and the discussion about Mike Bianco from a few weeks ago. It kind of seems like it was probably a pretty silly discussion, if we're just being completely honest. Although there are a lot of people that disagree with that. I mean, there were a lot of people that were dead serious about it. And that was not headed in a pleasant direction. But should one two-week run completely change how you look at the program? And if that one two-week run of a good SEC tournament and winning a regional and getting to a super regional changed how you felt about it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Can losing one game like flip you back in the opposite direction? you, you got to be a little more grounded in how you feel, I think, overall about the program than being able to be kind of just blown with the wind back and forth like that. That's just my thought. Sports talk. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.